This is episode 48 of History of Podcast. My name's Robert, and today's episode is the history of Batman. I never thought I would do it, but here we are. I'm glad you're tuning in, and the unofficial History of Merch is here. Stickers, notebooks, clocks, okay, the clocks are kind of sick, shower curtains, we've got it all, and there's a link in the episode description. Before you know it, we're going to be a street brand. Watch it happen. Well, to start, I have the egg carton count, and today's egg carton count is still 56. Uh, yeah, waiting on another egg carton, but still 56. That's all right. And I thought this would be an interesting episode today, Batman, uh, because Batman is really the odd one out as far as superheroes. He doesn't follow the traditional superhero save the day themes. Uh, you could say Batman saves the night. And to this day, I've never watched a Batman movie, but I did grow up on the 60s TV show with Adam West. Batman comics are broken into the Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, and Modern Age. And that name suggests that the comics degenerated over time, but I don't know. That's, that's not me. I'm not qualified to give a personal opinion on that. When we think of Batman movies in the past 20 years, we think of something usually dark and ominous. And despite what the 1960s Batman TV show tells you, the Batman comics actually started out dark and ominous. The first Batman comic was published in 1939, the beginning of the golden age of Batman comics. And DC had only been around for five years, since 1934, so the publication was still fresh and open to experimenting with new characters. I guess comic book publishers always are. Anyway, the very first Batman comic was The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, and it was released as issue number 27 in Detective Comics, which is actually what DC stands for. And here's a wee bit of trivia. Batman would get his yellow utility belt by issue number 29, and in issue number 31, he got the bat plane and the batarang, which is like a little bat boomerang he throws around in the Lego movie and gets it on the first try. If you know, you know. And the batarang's been around since 1939. How about that? In case you couldn't guess, Batman was pretty popular towards the beginning, and by the time he became a leading character in comic books in 1940, he was killing criminals and using guns without any sympathy. And one of the editors, Whitney Ellsworth, decided that wasn't such a good form, so she ruled that Batman would never use a gun, and to this day, only the off-the-beaten-path Batman comics uh, have, let, have let the character use guns. So the last issue that I mentioned was issue number 31, so that was still in 1939. Detective Comics issue number 38 introduced Robin in 1940. Batman was no more a solo hero, and the character Robin was created as a foil to counter Batman and made the stories a little warmer and a little more friendly. In the 1950s, the writers had Batman team up with Superman for a little while, which was a first. In 1954, the Batman series had a little trouble when psychologist Frederick Wortham published Seduction of the Innocent. Wortham argued that readers, especially adolescents, were inclined to copy crimes in comic books. A lot of people argue the same thing about video games today, and this makes sense because of the principle of in persuasion of social proof. You may have heard of social proof, it's the principle that humans are social beings, 
and we are more inclined to do something merely when we see other people do it. A lot of people don't realize how strong this is, though. I provided a link to a recent Freakonomics episode in the show description that gives a number of anecdotes and statistics regarding the power of social proof, among other things. Either way, this psychologist Frederick Wortham was onto something. And out of his efforts came the Comics Code Authority, or CCA, which banned inappropriate or controversial content such as drug use, uh, the portrayal of police officers as incompetent, or even sympathy for the criminal. And I will note that Wortham criticized the Batman comics for suggesting that Batman and Robin were gay. Not sure where he got that, but it's amazing how things have changed since then. Anyway, that's when Batwoman and Batgirl entered the scene, to make it a little less sus. This brings us to the Silver Age, which began in 1956. With the recent regulations of the CCA, Comics Code Authority, Batman began to gradually tone down its violence and dark themes. The writers experimented with having Batman fight aliens or travel through time and space, but that just didn't fit right, and it didn't last long. By 1964, Batman almost died, literally. DC was declining in popularity, and the writers considered publishing a plot where Batman died, and that would have been it. Batman would have been over. But of course, we can't do that, and in 1966, the moment you've all been waiting for, the introduction of the oh-so-corny Batman TV series. I remember there's one episode where Batman was poisoned, and he had prepared ahead of time by coating his stomach with buttermilk, like, what even? (laughs) I don't even know. The writers experimented with making Batman a goofy series, which reflected in both the TV show and the comic books at the time. This was really a 1960s cultural thing. The proper word to describe the TV show is campy, uh, which is the word used by the writer Julius Schwartz. And by the way, the Batmobile from that show auctioned for $4.6 million a few years ago. The car was a 1955 Lincoln Futura concept car, and it was bought for $1 for the show. And of course, it had to be customized and remodeled, which was about $15,000, but still. And oh yeah, there's one other thing to note, uh, is that the Joker was toned down for the TV series, uh, whereas he had been a psychopath and was actually scary uh, for both the beginning of Batman and in the, the recent movie. You could summarize the Silver Age pretty well by saying it was the time when Batman deviated from its original dark themes and took on a lighter tone. But 1969 would bring the turn of the Bronze Age, which was when Batman returned to being the mysterious hero of the night. The TV series reached its end, and it was back to the comics. Robin left the scene, and he would only come back in either the series Batman and Robin, uh, which was separate from just Batman, oh yeah, he would also show up in Teen Titans, I'll get to that. The Joker also took a brief hiatus for the Bronze Age, So Batman was mostly fighting street criminals. And this was when Batman went from a half-length cape to a full-length cape. And I know this sounds like an insignificant detail, but I think it says a lot about the change of Batman that I really couldn't put any other way. Um, The Batman character, he grew up in a sense. And I think the cape shows that. Maybe it represents the shift to an older audience. I don't know. Just a theory. That's about all for the Bronze Age of Batman. I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, but the Bronze Age, which it was, it was pretty short, and everything from about 1986 until now is considered the modern age. To kick off the modern age, we have a short series called Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, which I was interested in the fact that it 
wasn't the first Dark Knight. I thought that was actually an original title. I don't know much about Batman, uh, but the first Dark Knight was actually in 1986. It only lasted a couple of months, uh, but it was pretty popular, and it made Batman a 50-year-old man, which was kind of new. Uh, I guess the character had been around uh, for 50 years, actually, since 1939, so they've got to make him age a little bit. Also, in the late 80s, DC stopped caring about the CCA stamp of approval because Batman was becoming more and more for adult audiences, and this meant the Gotham City police being portrayed as corrupt and the villains becoming more and more evil, but also more and more sympathetic. And they started making Batman movies like Batman in 1989, Batman Returns in 1992, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm in 1993, Batman Forever in 1995, Batman and Robin in 1997. Then comes the Dark Knight trilogy, which is uh, a much more unified, uh, much more unified than the previous movies. And this starts with Batman Begins in 2005, then the Dark Knight in 2008, and finally the Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Also, make sure it's directed by Christopher Nolan to ensure it bends your mind. And you know what else will bend your mind? There are so many offshoots of Batman, from alternative series to fan fiction, that you can pretty much choose which you like best. One with more action, one with more comedy, one with more backstories, and they'll pretty much all be incoherent. And I'm sorry, but The Dark Knight just doesn't line up with Batman and Robin. And to clear up all this, DC changed their logo and announced a reboot in 2011. In other words, pretend nothing ever happened, and we'll start fresh. I imagine a lot of people aren't happy with this. This allowed Robin to be in the Teen Titans TV show, which doesn't line up with any previous Batman storylines. Um, but this is not to say that Batman still doesn't have his alternative storylines and whatnot after this. Um, there's still some some uh, divergence of, of the storylines. It's not totally coherent after what DC called their hard reset. And... Batman, he's the unconventional good guy that sometimes I'm not sure is the good guy. And Batman turned 80 in 2019. And with those 80 years, the audience has changed a lot. And I'll say Batman has become a lot less mainstream than he used to be. In the words of Wilhelm Wexler from the movie The International, this is the difference between truth and fiction. Fiction has to make sense. I'm Robert Lakatosh. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, don't listen to the next episode just yet. I'd appreciate if you could take just 10 seconds to rate or write a review for The History Of. It really does make the episodes better. And if you think you have a friend who might enjoy this podcast, tell them about The History Of, their new favorite podcast, and you might just make their day. I'd like to thank you all for your gracious, loyal support, and until the next one, I'm Robert Lakatosh. Thanks for listening.